Welcome to the St George's Leeds Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the talk. So uh, today's reading is from Mark 4, verses 35 to 41. Jesus calms the storm. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. Thanks, Mark. Uh, yeah, hi, as you've heard a couple of times. Uh, I'm Jonah. Uh, yeah, thanks, Mum. So, I, um, yeah, I've been a member um, of St. G's for about three years now. Um, I lead a small group on a, on a Thursday evening with Miriam. Um, before we get started, I would like to actually commend Richard. Um, he's been a tremendous help over the past couple of weeks, really shaping and guiding me. Um, so this talk wasn't about 45 minutes long. So um, if you get anything good out of this evening, uh, Richard deserves a lot of credit um, for that. Um, we're going to start this evening uh, by looking at a painting, because uh, uh, art is great um, and important and needed. Um, and I think um, it can help a lot of us if we've got visuals um, as we're going along, especially if your voice is a little bit like mine. So. Um, this is a painting by uh, Rembrandt, uh, one of my all-time absolute favorite um, painters. Um, this guy's an absolute genius. If you ever get a chance to see a Rembrandt, uh, do it. Just stand and sit in front of it. They're absolutely, absolutely amazing. Um, and the scene that he's painting here that we just heard um, read was actually a very popular um, a thing to paint uh, throughout art history. But I think it, in more recent years, it's, it's fallen into a category of bits in the Bible that we... Uh, learn about as kids at Sunday school, um, and then it kind of stays there. We can sometimes avoid them um, as a result as adults. They kind of have this taboo on them. It's like, that's the stuff that we teach kids, and then here's the stuff that we teach us as adults. And stories like this, they get, they get relegated. Um, and although I do think it is absolutely right and proper that we teach uh, our children about Jesus, we perhaps use pictures like this instead. The next one. That one, yeah. So I think when this becomes our sort of encounter uh, with stories like this, we're deprived of something. We then view Jesus as a more of a soft and unchallenging character, and we miss out on getting a fuller picture of God, a fuller picture of Jesus, and the challenge and the gift that he offers to each and every one of us, the kind of gift that we do not deserve or earn but he still offers to us purely out of his grace and his love. And so our plan over the next uh, couple of minutes is to try and change that perception of Jesus, get a better understanding of who he is. Um, are you with me? You don't have a choice, but anyway. So we're going we're gonna to return to Rembrandt is the next. That's much better. Great. Um, big up tech team. So, um, yeah, here we have a painting depicting the story of Jesus that we have just heard about, his calming of the storm. 
And this is um, an account that is found in all three uh, synoptic Gospels. It's found in Matthew and in Mark and in Luke. Um, And I think that's um, interesting. This isn't the case with all of the parables, all of the healings, all of the stories um, of Jesus. The Gospel writers had different audiences, uh, different reasons for writing their accounts. Um, And that means that they can tell the story in a different way and sometimes in a different order. They miss bits out, they rearrange them. And so for a gospel writer like Mark, who rarely goes into um, as much detail as the others, to spend as much time as he does on this story, I think is, is, is interesting. Um, some of you that know me, um, especially my small group, will be aware that I'm a little bit of a nerd. Um, that was probably quite clear already, actually. Um, that is a badge that I wear with pride. Um, And if we look back at the passage that we've just heard in its original language in the Greek, we can see something uh, fascinating. It's the use of this Greek word, uh, mega. There it is, mega. Which we often translate to the word great. In the short number of verses that we've looked at, it's used three times. It is used to describe the, the storm in verse 37, a mega storm or a great storm, um, or as we heard in our translation, uh, furious It is used to describe the calmness um, of the lake in verse 39, a mega calm, or as we heard, complete calm. Uh, Keep that one noted away for for later. And it is used to describe the fear of the disciples at the end, a mega fear, a mega phobia, or as we heard, terrified. So we have a mega storm, a mega calm, and a mega fear. But that great storm was turned into a great calm. Jesus God, it seems, is in the habit of turning great storms into great calm, into complete calm. In this passage, we see Jesus traveling across the Sea of Galilee. Now, the Sea of Galilee was then and is still prone to storms. Um, It is one of the lowest lying lakes in the world. And due to the geography of the area, the hot air from uh, the deserts to the east and the cool air from the Mediterranean Sea to the west, uh, they combine and they meet over the surface of the lake and the air pushes up and you get clouds and you get storms. Um, so bear in mind, the disciples, a number of these guys were fishermen. They had been on these waters here uh, countless times and they are terrified of this storm. This storm, it seems was no ordinary storm. It, it must have been almost unimaginably bad. And they think they're going to die. And they ask Jesus a question. Don't you care that we are about to die? Don't you care? I wonder if anyone here has asked Jesus a similar sort of question as, don't you care? So what is it that we see uh, Jesus say to his disciples, he of course, in typical fashion, answers their question with questions. Why are you afraid? Have you no faith? Now, I think we can all uh, sympathize with the disciples a little bit here. They're in a storm uh, in the middle of a lake. It's pretty scary stuff, and Jesus thinks now is the time to give a little bit of a lecture. Um, But it is here that we see the challenge of being a Jesus follower, the challenge of Faith, because faith requires action. The book of James says, faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. Faith is not just the thought or the idea of belief in something. 
this up in the air thing. It is about response and it is about obedience, a word that we can often shy away from. We are not just called to have faith, we are called to do faith. And real faith is not blind faith. It is inextricably linked to reason and to think things through. We can look back at the cross, look back at the empty tomb and the promise of what that means for us. And that then has an impact on the actions that we take. The disciples had seen Jesus firsthand. They'd seen his healings. They'd heard his teachings. And they still don't trust. That's why Jesus responds the way that he does. And so why is it that the disciples then at the end have this great fear, this mega fear? What we must bear in mind is that throughout the Hebrew scriptures, water, especially open waters, stormy waters, in the Israelites' mind, water is a depiction of chaos. And in Jewish thought, there is only one who has control over, who has a say over the winds and the waves, and that is God. That is Yahweh. After all, who is the one who split the sea during the Israelites fleeing Egypt? The defining moment in Jewish history. It's Yahweh. Some other verses are on the next slide. Genesis 1 and the creation poem right at the beginning of Scripture. The chaotic waters that God subdues and brings under his control. We see it throughout the Psalms 65, 89, and 107 are just a few of them. And for us, it's also reflected in the book of Revelation. There is a reason that when talking about a new heavens and a new earth, the writer John says that the sea will disappear. John was highly versed in the Hebrew scriptures, and he chooses that picture for that exact reason. What he's saying is that there will be an end to chaos. And so what does all of this mean? Well, by showing Jesus' power over the waters, the gospel writers are saying something to us today. Mark is speaking to us. And he's prompting us to wonder. It's the question that the disciples ask, who is this man? What kind of man is this? Mark, of course, wrote his gospel Uh, with the gift of hindsight. He was able to look back on the encounter that he'd had with Jesus. And Mark is now convinced of who Jesus is. He has his answer to that question. Yahweh, God. Now, Mark wants you to know that Jesus is human. After all, what is it that we see uh, Jesus doing? He's napping. This showing, this shows Jesus' humanity. He's a human. He knows what it's like to go through storms. No other religion or worldview has this view of divinity, especially having it as such a central and key point. But Mark is utterly convinced of this, and he wants you to be too, that Jesus is also totally and fully God as well. What we can see from this encounter is that Jesus is powerful. Now that is a word that sometimes we can struggle with 
as it appears to be at odds with other words that we have for Jesus. Gentle, kind, loving, and he is all of those things. But they do not have to be opposites. To quote one of my personal heroes, uh, Martin Luther King, power without love is reckless and abusive. But love without power is sentimental and anemic. What is so beautiful and unique and special and holy about Jesus' power is how he uses it. He uses it to bring about calm, complete calm. He uses his power to bring about peace. I suspect many of us here might know the Hebrew word for peace, uh, shalom. Um, it's on the yeah, shalom. We also know it as a greeting. Uh, think of Jim from Friday night dinner. Or maybe don't think of Jim from Friday night dinner. Uh, its meaning also often points towards something being whole or complete. And Jesus, as Prince of Peace, brings about shalom. He brings about restoration to make things whole. We see shalom in the complete calm of the lake. And we see it also just beyond the passage that we've read. I'd encourage you to go home and finish reading. Who does Jesus meet when he gets ashore? A man possessed. And though we sadly don't have time to go into that passage, that man at the end of the encounter with Jesus is a man totally restored, whole once more. The spirits inside him have entered into pigs and they have flung themselves off a lake into the same dominion that Jesus has just claimed total power over. Jesus has brought about shalom to that man and he offers that to all of us too. And so as we come into land, I don't know what it is that you need to take away from tonight. Is it that reassurance that Jesus can bring about peace, that deep shalom? Or maybe you're stuck in a storm in your emotional health, your physical health, your spiritual health, your mental health. You're like the disciples and you need the power of Jesus to step in. Or perhaps it's that challenge that your faith has stayed too long as something purely inside your head and now needs to be reflected in the actions that you take. Whatever it is, I encourage you to bring it to him because he loves to hear his children's voice. As we move into a time of reflection and prayer and in a few minutes into communion, I'd encourage one of those things to be on your heart and to be bringing it before God. Ask him for that peace, that, that shalom. Ask him for the strength to live out your life faithfully. Ask for him to calm the storm. Thank you for listening to the St. George's Lead Sermon Podcast. For more talks or information, visit stgs.org.uk.